You may know Rogers from your cell phone bill or the radio station you listen to or its role as part owners of Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment. But at the heart of it is a family and one that's engaged in a fight over the future of one of Canada's biggest telecommunications firms. I'm Dave Breckenridge and this is 10-3. Barbara Schechter, a business correspondent for the Financial Post and National Post, joins me to discuss what sparked the dispute within the company, what's at stake for Rogers, and why this fight is headed to court. Don't forget you can find me on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, we're even on Amazon Music now. I'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. Barbara, before we get into the internal conflict at Rogers, and it's quite the story, can you give us a breakdown of what the company is so people can understand kind of how big this entity is in Canadian business and who controls the company? Rogers is controlled by the Rogers family of Toronto and has been since Ted Rogers founded the company, I believe in 1960. Definitely way back then, early on, with a bit of funding from his wife's father, I believe. And uh, it's hard not to come across Rogers if you live in Canada, whether you watch or used to watch their television, their big cable operation. So they were, you know, the pipes that brought the television into your home. They moved into media, owned some specialty TV stations and some non-English language broadcasting initially, but they moved into bigger things in the broadcasting world. And they also had a lot of publications that you may have read over the years. There have been ownership changes since, but McLean's Magazine and things like that, that were sort of household names over the years. Mm -hmm. Also wireless your cell phone. They have a very big wireless operation. And so you may have been using their products there. How long has the current leadership structure in Rogers been in place for? Well, what we're seeing play out now is actually something that Ted Rogers left behind when he died in 2008. So the Rogers family has always controlled the company, but there are voting shares, which they control about 98% of. And that's now in a family trust that Ted put together for uh, when he wasn't around anymore. Mm -hmm. And that is how the company is controlled now is through that family trust. But there are also public shareholders who own non-voting shares. This conflict within the Rogers family kind of sparked public attention a little earlier this month, but it dates back to September. What exactly lit the fuse here in the Rogers family? There are two very distinct sides with sort of different tellings of the story, but everyone seems to agree that it sprung from a feeling among some that the company's chief executive, Joe Natale, should be replaced. And this was all against the backdrop of how the company performed during the pandemic, what sort of inherent weaknesses it had that were exposed at that time, how quickly they would be able to come back from that in an economic recovery, and how they were going to manage a large acquisition that they were in the midst of trying to complete. And who kind of led the charge to get rid of their CEO? Well, Edward Rogers, the son of the founder, Ted Rogers, is definitely a central figure in that. I think even by his own telling, he was frustrated with the CEO's performance and pushed for a replacement. So Edward Rogers is at the center of this move. How exactly did he go about trying to oust the CEO, Joe Natale? 
Well, that's all going to be talked about in a court hearing, I think, coming up at the beginning of next month, because there are some differences of opinion about exactly how this unfolded and a lot of contentious back and forth. However, he definitely would have acted in his role as chair of that family trust through which the Rogers family controls the company. Mm -hmm. As chair, he had uh, a lot of power there and still does because he still holds that role. This happened in late September. What has happened in the intervening weeks in the in the last month and a bit since the move to get rid of the CEO? Well, that's where there's been a real split in the family that's come to the fore. It's Edward against his mother, Loretta, and sisters, Melinda and Martha. And what has been going on that really shareholders and others would be most interested in is this dueling boards that has emerged because Edward has put people in that he calls his board and says he has every right to do that. The company and his mother and sisters insist that he hasn't changed anything, that the original board that was in place that they're on is actually still the board that is calling the shots at Rogers. Now, as someone who covers business, What kind of chaos does this cause for a a company like Rogers? I know that from my end of things, I check emails, I get press releases from corporations about the goings on of the company. I got one this morning from Rogers itself about the court hearing coming up in BC. Is it business as usual at the company or is this creating a lot of internal turmoil? Well, they're saying it's business as usual because the executives who are there, Joe Natalia is still CEO, and they are carrying on as if this had not happened. However, for a company to be going forward with uncertainty about who is the board of directors, which is actually the boss of the CEO, that can't go on for long, which is why I think that that court hearing that you referred to is coming up relatively quickly in court terms. Sometimes it takes you know weeks or months to get something to court. But this is going very quickly, I think in large part because you cannot continue to operate a public company that trades on Canadian stock exchanges like this for long. As you say, some of Edward Rogers' own family say he doesn't have the authority to make the changes he was seeking to make. He obviously says he does. What's the kind of the legal opinion or the expert opinion on what's happening here? Interestingly, I think from the people I'm speaking to, it sounds like it's going to come down to interpretation of this Rogers control trust that Ted left behind for his family and just what powers there are there. The other thing is there was not a shareholders meeting when Edward Rogers claims that he changed the board of directors. And that's very unconventional. Usually, even though they have control over so many of these voting shares, normally you would have to convene a meeting, which didn't happen. However, uh, it's my understanding that there are differences in British Columbia where, uh, under their Business Corporations Act, where Rogers is registered, that can allow that to happen. Mm -hmm. So I think part of the issue might turn on that, whether he could do that unilaterally, or even if he can't whether he then has to convene an actual meeting you know, of all the shareholders and then put it through that way. But it definitely is going to turn on whether he has this power to make this sort of change under the family trust arrangement. This is all happening as a show on TV, HBO show Succession, which chronicles the duplicitous nature of a family that runs a large American telecommunications corporation and all the backbiting and the power struggles. 
And it feels like this is just ripped from that kind of TV drama. In fact, I read somewhere that even this was all brought to light because of an accidental phone call, a pocket dial. Like, what do you make of kind of how this is played out in corporate circles in Canada and also in the media and in the public? Well, actually, there have been a lot of comparisons to Succession here, but uh, Succession had been on the air for, I think it's in the third season now. Mm -hmm. And I think what it speaks to is that when you have any family-run business and, you know, media is clearly something that the public seems to have an interest in, what it speaks to is it's not family squabbles, not that unusual, back and forth, and, you know, people to cut their own path based on their own ideas and their own ambitions not that unusual. And in fact, I think Succession, the commentary when it came on the air a few years ago was that it was based on Rupert Murdoch's media empire. Mm-hmm. I think there are business journalists or, or some business journalists actually involved in the making of that show. So I think it, you know, it may look like life imitating art or vice versa, but I think it does speak to those sort of things that are just not in dispute that when you get a family and you get public shareholders and uh, you get generations This sort of thing is not that unusual. Now, at the core of this is the instructions left by company founder Ted Rogers when he died. What were his instructions to how the company should run? Why is that significant here? And how is that being handled through all of this? Well, it's very significant because he did have a couple of books written about him. He was interviewed For them, some of those transcripts have come out. And I think it was well known also in his circle that he really, really wanted the family to continue to be in control of this company that he had worked so hard to build. His history is that his father had died quite young and had started some, you know, innovative radio work and you know it's sort of been instilled in Ted from his mother you've got to kind of they sold it off after the father died and and she was sort of telling Ted you've got to get it back you've got to sort of regain his legacy so I think what Ted Rogers dearly wanted was for that legacy to continue after his life ended. Now obviously this isn't happening in a vacuum there are other people on the board of directors at Rogers what are we hearing from them as this involves kind of their operations and how they run the company? Well, they're not saying much publicly. Some things about the directors have been included in an affidavit that uh, Edward Rogers swore out in advance of this court hearing November 1st in BC. That has not been tested in court so that some of those claims, I'm sure, will be disputed or at least, you know, discussed. So it looks like there was from that document and the claims in it, it looks like there was some back and forth amongst the directors, things that they wanted that might have been more in keeping with what Edward wanted and then things that others wanted that might have gone more with what the rest of the family uh, was in favor of, which is keeping the current CEO. And it's all playing out against a backdrop of this multi-billion dollar acquisition of their rival, Calgary-based Shaw Communications. Mm -hmm. So that's keeping things uh, really interesting. And it's, it's one of the most surprising things about this, I think, for people is to see that this is all playing out, you know, privately or publicly, which it now is, while they're trying to get this deal done. And obviously, regulators need to sign off on this deal, and it's a massive, massive transaction. How does this turmoil factor into that deal? And could it potentially put it in jeopardy? 
Well, I, I've spoken to some analysts about that, and certainly they think that the fundamentals of the deal have not changed. The companies coming together, whatever they're going to have to do to have a sort of much larger cable and wireless presence, you know, they're still going to be larger than they were, which is seen to be something that will help Rogers going forward. So I think when they're sizing up, you know, whether they need to get rid of some wireless to make this deal work or anything like that, that doesn't change. Those fundamentals don't change. But what I've heard and what I've said earlier is that I think it's more the stability of the company. And those are softer things when regulators are looking at it and they're looking at promises or pledges that companies are making about how they're going to manage this integration and this bulking up and, you know, what it's going to look like going forward. There's a thought now of, you know, this this executive who's speaking to you you know, there could be a sudden move and he could be gone tomorrow or she could be gone tomorrow. And the board that's made these decisions and is pushing forward with the strategy, you know, through the executives are, is there going to be continuity there? Mm -hmm. So I think those are the questions that people are sort of mulling as they think about this Shaw deal. And uh, it's sort of how it will move through this process. For many Canadians, though, this is a rich family in a part of the country that a lot of people don't live in, fighting for control of an entity that they just shuffle money to for cable bills and phone bills or, you know, going to a sports arena, they notice the name. Why is this fight relevant to the average Canadian? And that's a really good question. I Like I say, I think a lot of people are talking about it. If you judge from sort of social media and sort of all the commentary, I think they just think it's interesting. I think people generally, you know, like to see what people who don't live like them do. And I think that's why the popularity of a show, you know, like Succession, or just sort of over the years, you know, people have always been interested in media personalities, I think, even in Canada. So I think that's part of the reason they might be interested. If you're not a shareholder of Rogers or Shaw, I'm not sure how much you think this will affect your cable bill or your internet bill or, you know, what we're talking about here. They might be more interested in the merger of Rogers and Shaw from that perspective to see if there would be any change uh, to their pocketbook. But I do think that there's just a general fascination with, you know, it's kind of the rich people are just like us. You know, I fight mm -hmm. with my family. Look, they fight with their family. There might be some of that aspect to it as well, I guess. Now, this dispute is heading to court, as we've mentioned. Where is the case being heard? And is there anything being done in the interim to try and mediate this and deal with the situation? Or is it essentially this has to be settled by the courts because they're at loggerheads? Well, I think what you just said, I think that's where it's headed. I think there were attempts beforehand to try to mediate Toronto's mayor, John Tory, uh, who actually <laughs> used to work for Rogers family ties going way back with the Rogers family and his father. He is on the advisory committee to that family trust that we've talked about through which the Rogers family controls the company. And even he's been uh, involved in some of these meetings to try to mediate. But I think, uh, you know, given that this is now landed in court to try to determine which of these two boards is legitimate, I think that time has passed for any sort of mediation. It's all gone to sort of battling press releases. You know, he said, she said, until we get a determination. I think that the sides are too far apart. Yeah. And while I don't want to speculate on how the court may rule, there's a lot at play here. But what happens if 
Edward is vindicated in court? Like, what happens with the company? What happens with the family, even? Like, does this cause a rift that is insurmountable for them? Will there be kind of more public division from the Rogers family? Well, I'd say the rift is already there. Once the company's future is determined, what you might see is some of the board of directors fall away. There could be executive changes, but the family control laid out by Ted is not something that they can just turn around and change. Ultimately, they may put another family member or someone in as chair of that trust, but they'd need a two-thirds majority of the advisors to that trust to agree with that. So that's something that could happen down the road. But the preference of Ted Rogers is that it be a family member and that the family continue to have a role at the company, whether that's you know on the board as chair or uh, I believe it's called deputy chair or even in management. So that's going to be hard to get around. The other thing I've heard from people is that they expect that the family will stay together, partly because of that structure, which is how they hold their ownership stake in Rogers Communications, the company, but partly because I guess as a general rule, family is family. Executives may come and go, directors may come and go, but that the family will somehow find a way. It seems hard to imagine right now, but I guess we'll wait and see. It's a fascinating story that a lot of Canadians are paying attention to and will be following it over the coming weeks and months. Barbara, thanks for your time. Well, thank you very much for having me. 10.3 is produced by Sean Knox. Theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, Barbara Schechter. More from her at financialpost.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.